Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Right. We are cooking. The stove is on. The pots are boiling. The steak is sizzling. We are ready to go. I'm excited. This is going to be a good one. And my guest today, I'm so excited to chat with her and learn from her. Um, and she is an absolute badass entrepreneur, a leader, marketing strategist, and thought leader, a lifelong passion for entrepreneurship, for marketing, and really values authentic connections and getting to know not only her team, her customers, and then her customers' customers, and just really understanding the person. Um, that's there and then understanding how you can help them. And that that is the basis of just powerful, legendary marketing. Can't wait to introduce you to her, founder and CEO of Magnitude Consulting, Natalie Nathanson. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Man, so exciting. So exciting. And, and uh, there's so much going on here. So without further ado, I almost lost it because some little hands had moved it. But let me pass you this thing. Ugh. Okay, really heavy. Go oh, ahead, geez. grab Thor's hammer. Yeah, you got it. Okay. I got it. I got Great. it. You warned me it was heavy. It is heavy. Oh my gosh. Um, take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. All right, you ready? Yes. Kaboom! We don't need no stinking marketing strategy because we just need leads. Just need leads. Just need leads. We don't Just need the need. plan. We don't need the strategy. And it drives me nutty. Absolutely. I mean, why, why is this even a thing? I don't know. I don't know. But it's, uh, it doesn't seem to be going away. And I think the reason it drives me so nutty is that it's simply not true, right? Going through this without going through and generating leads without a plan is just risky. It continues that mindset that has the vicious cycle of wasting time and resources. And if you are successful, it's usually by accident. Right. And in my view, it's also what gives marketers a bad name. It, so, so we know it's needed. We know it's the case. Yet we want to just get to the action. Is it the outside influences that are, that are jumping in and preventing it from occurring? Or is it our own lack of discipline? Like how do we... Where does this come from? Yeah, yeah, I think there are a couple things. I think one is the sense that to develop the strategy and get the plan in place, that that takes too long and that that plan ends up being detached from reality. And then I think the second thing is just a lack of an understanding of marketing. So I think it's those two forces working together, uh, you know, both of which are, are misconceptions. There, yeah, you're just smashing myth left and right. Like you just take a throw and hammer and smash, smash, smash all over the place. <laughs> uh, lack of understanding of marketing. So the idea, and let's tackle the first one, the idea that it takes too long to plan. I mean, how long does it really take? I mean, um, I think I'll, I'll give one of those consultant answers of it depends. Uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, as we're often looking at planning, there's kind of an ideal way to do things. And then there's a pragmatic way of doing things. And I think when time is of the essence, and oftentimes when someone comes to you and says, we need leads, and you know, the underpinning of that is we need them now, um, there's a little bit of an element to take a quick step back before taking a step forward and going through at least some kind of rapid pointed uh, strategic thinking, Yeah, really to making sure that all your resources are kind of pointed in the right direction, 
um, and that you're you're solving for the right thing. Even kind of generating leads, you know, that can mean very different things uh, to different people, different companies. Um, so if nothing else, being clear on on what that means. Yeah, and you, I love how you say you know, solving for the right thing. How often do we try to solve problems that don't exist or are not even the right thing to focus on? Yeah, yeah, I think that does happen far too often. I'm sure, I'm sure we've all seen it. Um, and I do think, especially when it comes to B2B marketing, there's, you could say the same thing, use different terms and everyone comes out with their own understanding of, of what that means and ending up in one of those scenarios where marketing is patting themselves on the back and saying, you know, go us, we generated all the leads to meet the target we had set forth. Meanwhile, sales is twiddling their thumbs and kind of pointing their finger at marketing and saying, you know, we don't have what we need. Um, and so I think yeah. it's really an effort to avoid that. And also just really to look at, look at the market and look at where the opportunity is. And again, kind of making sure that you're rallying all your resources in the right direction. Yeah. The idea that even B2B marketing itself tell, tells somebody one term and it, that, or even a, what is a lead, right? And mm-hmm. worst thing possible is if one group is celebrating and the other group is is missing their number and not getting paid. And ooh, that's that's what puts marketing in a bad spot is if we're totally disconnected from the reality of the other teams and also the the company itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so... I'm with you. We we gotta we gotta have a plan, right? We gotta have a plan. We gotta have a strategy. So, how do we go about it the right way? Where yeah. do we start? So, I think there's you know, a few a few steps to go through, and I think yeah. there's a lot that can go into it. Um, but put it put simply, really, the first is kind of taking that quick step back, understanding the need. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, the second is going through some kind of rapid strategy and planning getting to kind of what is that initial plan. And then third is really what we call informed execution. So it's execution, but making sure you have uh, the right inputs in place. I like it. Okay. So number one is we take a step back and we got to figure out what's need. What, what is the need? How do we do that? Yeah. So I think, again, that goes back to first making sure you understand, you know, what the business objectives are. Um, that definition around kind of what is what is the a good lead, how many are we looking for, what kind, when do they get passed to sales, uh, you know where are the needs short term in the business, but also you know longer term and in particular if you're a small marketing team, uh, there's always an opportunity cost. So you know what do you need to drive in the short term to support the business, but also kind of where where is your uh, where does your eye need to go for longer term objectives or other initiatives on the horizon that you need to start making some time for? Got it. Powerful. Boom. Business objective, good lead, bad lead, past sales, short term, long term. Got it. And then it comes time to plan, to actually do the planning. Yeah. Yeah. Is it one page? Is it 30? What What does a good marketing plan, like you look at it, even at a glance, and you're like, yep. Yeah, Got going. Or can you even at a glance know that they've got a good marketing plan? Yeah. So I think there's, you know, as we've seen, there's tons of different formats uh, and lengths of, of marketing plans. Yeah. I think in this context of we need leads quickly, um, it shouldn't be kind of a 30 page plan or a, you know, three hour presentation to deliver kind of the strategic recommendations. I think much more practically, um, 
you know, first as part of that, you know, understanding the need, understanding what assets uh, you have at your disposal. Is there, um, you know, content to be, to be, that can be leveraged for the campaign? Are there the right foundations in place? So looking for any of those kinds of things that maybe do need to be happening in parallel with that planning effort. Um, so that when you get to the point of being ready to execute, um, you're not then kind of starting to work through, do we have you know, our marketing automation system in a good place? You know, all, all of those sorts of things. Um, and then, you know, we often think about that rapid planning at really a company's go to market as uh, three main components. We call it the three M's. There's the okay. market, the message and the mechanism. So, right, looking at the market, who do you serve? And that's both at the organizational level, kind of industry, behavioral profile, the personas or kind of job titles you're targeting, then dovetailing into the message. What do you say to them? How do you communicate the value of your solution, your differentiation in the market, uh, all of those sorts of things. And then lastly is the mechanism, and that's really the tactics, right? Is it a LinkedIn campaign? Is it Google AdWords? Is it account-based marketing? Um, and I think that mechanism is where uh, a lot of folks are thinking when they think about marketing, but really needing to make sure um, that they have all those components covered and covered for that particular initiative. So, you know, back to your question around, you know, what should the plan look like? Um, I think if it answers those three things and it doesn't need to be, you know, company-wide, I think it's really for this particular initiative uh, that you're looking to kind of generate leads for a particular kind of sales team or product team or whatnot. Uh, making sure that you have all of those areas addressed. And that can be as simple as, you know, a couple slides and making sure everyone's aligned on, you know, what are the inputs? What's the focus? What are the kind of areas to deploy? And then what does success look like? Wow, I love that. I wish it su success had an M word so I could say market message mechanism and well, measurement, right? Measurement. There you go. I may have to, I may have to borrow that one. Do it. Let's hear it. <laughs> we were just joking on the team that we use a lot of uh, a lot of M analogies, and it's uh, not deliberate, but pulling pulling from magnitude. Oh, oh see that ties in. Our I was going to try to make them N words for your name, but M words sound even better because magnitude. That's that's good branding. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could say that part was deliberate, but I, I can't <laughs> take credit. Right. Well, it's better than like Z words. You're like. Hmm. Um, there you go. Okay, There's a lot a of measurement. Is it working? Right? Is it working? Are we able to see what? Are we able to see success? And also, what's not working? But at least being able to see it's not working is great because you can stop doing it. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, I once um, bumped into a company um, before we started working with them, and they did something like eighty trade shows a year. Um, which is a lot. <laughs> and I know you're going to one later. Um, and, and they did 80, but they had no idea which ones drove the right leads. Some of them did, but they had no idea which ones. And so they were kind of hostage to always doing those 80 events and they would add some more, but they would never get rid of some because they never knew. So that's how they ended up at 80 because they had like 20 and they did 21. But what if that was the good one? Well, 22. And they just, um, and so, man, setting up a little measurement, save them millions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a good point, right? If you don't know what's working, you don't know what you can take out. Yeah. Um, so you really need that that analysis. And and that is the beauty of, you know, so much of marketing these days is that it is digital and you can measure it. And uh, 
you know, not just a particular tactic, but see kind of how the, the combination of, of tactics are, are working together. Yeah, 100%. And I even want to get into events in a little bit. But before we do that, let's talk, let's talk informed execution. That sounds really, I don't know, I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Sounds so good. I think, again, when you have kind of even that rapid planning, you're executing with the right kind of strategic inputs in mind. Um, and, and one thing I'll say is that, you know, that execution can be in parallel with developing the plan, right? Ideally, you're kind of taking that time and putting yeah. together the strategy and then rolling into execution. Typically, you know, companies are moving a mile a minute, especially these days. And we often do have a need to, to be working in parallel. So oftentimes, as we're working through that strategy, we're starting with what we know and we have a parallel track of execution that might be kind of high priority or kind of urgent needs. It might be hypotheses uh, based on what we think will work, getting some of those kind of quick early pilot campaigns in place and out the door and those you know, further to inform uh, the, the strategy and you, you have some initial indicators of what's working. Um, and then when you're moving into full execution mode, that's the informed execution, right? You've done the planning. You may have some initial campaign results under your belt. And now you can you know, put more fuel in the fire, um, whether that's uh, expanding on a certain tactic, putting more money into a paid ads program, uh, launching kind of new tactics or more tactics. Adjust it. Don't be stuck in the mud, right? What's that whole quote of, you know? The plan doesn't survive contact with the enemy. As soon as you start executing your plan to the point of doing it in parallel, you might find out this is an absolute terrible idea. Let's switch over here. Right, right. Well, and that's why the plans, while it's critical to plan and to have that that strategy in place, it can't be in a vacuum. And it needs to be kind of agile and flexible. And um, I think long gone are the days of putting together a 12-month roadmap and then kind of executing, you know, one month at a time until you get to the end. Uh, there's just, you know, too much changing. And that's both, too much. you know, in, in marketing, in the market, we look at the world around us. And if we were having this conversation, you know, two months ago or two months from now, I'm sure a lot of what we're, we're all thinking about would look different. Yeah, man. So speaking of which, the world changing and, you know, we talked about events a little bit here and there. What are you seeing? Are we going back to events? Are there any, any marketing events that, that I should check out? Anything you're excited about? going to and recommend? Yeah, so I, I do see events coming back. Uh, I was having an interesting conversation with some people about this earlier in the week. Uh, I personally don't think they will or should come back to what they were. But I think like many things through the pandemic, this is a chance to really reimagine events. I think what we've learned is there's nothing that replaces that in-person face-to-face time. 100%. But I do think, right, the scenario that you described of, you know, we're going to 80 events. We don't know which ones are working. What should we do more of? What should we do less of? Um, I think the events that are uh, you know, much more targeted to a particular uh, kind of sector or role or pe- making sure people are there for the right reasons and not to check the box or because they've gone in years past. Um, I think there's, there's different ways to be thinking about events. And even this was maybe over six months ago. So when we were still in kind of more of the, the thick of the pandemic, um, we do a lot of work in, uh, in healthcare IT. We had a mm. client at Kim's, one of the big kind of healthcare uh, IT conferences, and they'd been going every year. Um, this past year, the numbers, they said, were much smaller, 
but people were there for the right reasons. There wasn't as much of people kind of walking the trade show floor, just looking for, you know, the free swag and getting their badge scanned and all of that. The people that were there were there because they had an active need or they came with specific things they were looking to, uh, to solve or to network around. And that's what I'd like to see more of. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it got to a point where we were just kind of blowing events out of the water. I, I remember walked around some events and I would just, you know, pick up doodads for my kids back home, right? Like, oh, a unicorn? Oh, that's going to be money. That's, I'm getting that for my daughter and they, I'll, I'll hit unsubscribe on Monday. You yeah. know, I don't even know who the vendor was. And it's like, you can make giveaways too good, in which case you're not getting who you wanted to. I mean, I guess that's part of that game. But And that was always such an inefficient game to play. Right, right. It is. And it goes back to where we started the conversation earlier around leads and the quality of leads. It's great to say that, you know, you got 100 leads at your trade show booth. But yeah. if 90 of those are people that just wanted the, the free cool unicorn, that means that your marketing team, your sales team have that many more leads to kind of nurture or sift through and ones that never kind of had any intent of, of purchasing or yeah. an authentic need to, to engage with the company. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any particular marketing events that you recommend for, for marketers or you, you know, really go, go toward your industry? Is that really what? Yeah, we go, we go much more to industry. Um, so I personally, um, and I'm a big believer of peer learning. So for me, that's other business owners. So I'm a member of uh, WPO, Women Presidents Organization, and EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, which I know you know. Yeah. Um, so for me, those are the ones that personally I get I get the most out of, um, especially with you know, so much changing in the business landscape yeah. uh, all the time. Uh, I'm much more uh, of an avid podcast listener, so a lot of my uh, you know marketing content consumption is is through podcasts. Tell me, do you have any favorites? Because that was really the next question was like, what kind of books are you reading, or what kind of places do you learn? Where, oh, where yeah, learn? yeah. So that's probably a topic I could talk about all day. But yeah. Uh, so I'm an avid listener of books and podcasts. I don't, uh, I've got two young kids at home, so I don't spend a lot of time kind of sitting quietly with a book and reading. But, yeah, uh, you know, I think as far as uh, podcasts, uh, my favorite marketing one, I'll, I'll exclude this one to be fair. Oh, you can uh, put it at the top if you want to. All right, That's all totally right. fine. Yeah. This, this is number one. Of course, of course. Uh, Mostly because we have the best guests. The best guests, the best hosts, you know. Oh, uh, well, yes, of course. <laughs> Uh, so marketing book podcast yep is uh is definitely uh, my, my favorite of those um i think you know of books uh it's a mix of you know marketing and uh, just kind of broader business books so i don't know if you know patrick lencioni he does a lot of the kind of storytelling through books yeah yeah so the last one that i read was getting naked um it sounds a lot, about? so it sounds a lot more risque than it is um, it's really about consulting and how do you kind of dig into the issues? How do you make sure that you're solving for what the client needs and not what they want? And that's something that, uh, you know, really resonated with me because it's something that we kind of really instill in, in our team. Um, what was the explanation for the naked metaphor? Was there some kind of like, cause that sounds like a great book title. It would sell. And yep. also was, was it like, naked consulting or what yeah yeah i think it's you know disarming your your audience oh, okay. getting yeah. to a point where it's just very kind of real so kind of like peeling back the onion and at the end you get to to that core the kind of naked i like that needs okay. her yeah 
Got it. Okay. Okay. So marketing book podcast, any other podcasts you like to listen to even non-marketing ones? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my guilty pleasures, I love all of the serial podcasts. Uh, the most recent one I listened to was Trojan Horse Affair, which was what, very interesting. Called? Trojan Horse Affair. Now, what season are they on now? Oh, I think four or five. I think they started separating the years from the kind of the series because I, I ended okay. up listening to two in the last year. See, um, I love the first season, but I couldn't I couldn't get into the second one. So I kind of got off the serial bandwagon. But you, but it sounds like oh. they since had plenty more of good yeah yeah i would suggest jumping back into it okay. they had a improvement association nice white parents and then this trojan horse affair and all of them were interesting for different reasons okay totally yeah i I'm, I'm, i really like that first season do you think he did it season one remember that one i do what was it adnan was yeah adnan yeah. yeah yeah uh i thought that he did yeah, me too. What did you think? Yeah, I th I thought so too. It de they definitely were messing with us, though. They had us go one way, then another, then one way. And I was like, "What are we doing?" But I I think it was um cell phones, and also I can't remember what was the tipping point, but there were a couple points where I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, that yeah, yeah. For me too, that was the podcast that got me into uh, kind of binge listening to podcasts. I think before that, I was a more sporadic listener. Yeah, you know. Um, and and I guess the the myth is that people don't listen for a long time, right? We only have like three minute attention span, but you know the three minute podcasts aren't nearly as listened to as like the Rogans of the world or or you know any of those things. How long is um how long is Shaper's uh, the, the marketing book podcast? Did you say an hour? About an hour an episode, okay. yeah. And each one, you know, with given the name, covers you know a different author is coming and talking about their book. Covers. And what book. I like is that they really do get into enough enough depth that usually it ends up being, uh, you know, little listen, get a taste, and then want to buy the book as well. But it's exactly. it's enough that, that just listening to the episode in and of itself, you get a ton of value. <laughs> you don't even need to buy the book. Just listen to the episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it also, to bring it back to kind of marketing, we're thinking yeah. about the kind of content. Like, clearly, we both, you know, like podcasts and kind of listen to content. Yeah. Um, you know, my husband, for example, he... Uh, he can't listen. That's not how he consumes information. Yeah, my wife same way. She likes to read, read, read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thinking about as marketers, we now need to create you know, the video, the audio, the, the written content, the short form, the long form. Um, it's a lot, but you know, different people like to consume content differently, and it doesn't necessarily align as easily as we'd like to. You know, the role that you're in or the job title you have, it's really much more kind of personality and lifestyle dependent. Well, a great reminder to create the the format that people want, right? How how are they going to consume it? These people prefer listening. These people do not prefer listening. Um, you know, and so yeah, they they give them the blog post, give them the the white paper, the longer thing, give these guys the video. It does kind of make our job harder that we have to create now the same kind of content a couple different ways in order to have it consumed by who we need it to be consumed by. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. And content already you know creating quality content is is a heavy lift and needing to kind of parse that out to all the different formats and then adjust for all the different stages of the buyer cycle uh it's a big onus on on marketers but it's also the lifeblood of of good marketing these days is you have to have the good content yeah right it's like table stakes you can't not have it anymore right just like you had to have a website 
people they're like, oh, I don't know, website. Okay, now you do. And it's like, now you need a blog, you need content, you need content, good content. And you can't just spam a bunch of words on a page. Right, right. Which is interesting to start to think about of like, what would, what will be the next table stakes, right? And things that yeah. companies are just now uh, starting to take on. Uh, yeah. What do you think? What What's coming around the corner? What's changing? Uh, so I think, you know, through through the pandemic, I think a lot of the digital laggards realized that the ones that were reliant on, you know, solely in-person events or in-person selling and handshakes and all of that um, had to you know, jump on the digital bandwagon. So while digital is nothing new, um, and many of us have been have been in that world for, for decades, um, I do think the expectation is now that kind of most companies or all companies are now kind of adopting and deploying that. It's also driving companies to be more kind of metrics and data driven. And I do think the notion of intent-based kind of content and lead gen tools and, and that sort of thing uh, is maybe the next frontier. Yeah. Um, and that that's good for everyone, I think, right? It's, it's yeah. allowing people to, to focus on the right contacts. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and I, I love that the change is, it's almost like it's bringing us back to selling the right way. You know, like we went so far out, we're doing these crazy things in tech and we just abused it all. Now it's bringing it back to the back to the face-to-face, back to actually talking to your buyers. Right, right. And talking to the people that want to talk to you. Yeah. As opposed to trying to kind of push your message out to an audience that maybe doesn't know you yet, doesn't have an active need for your solution. Uh, Because if you find the right people, it's, you know, everyone says this, it doesn't feel like selling. It feels like helping and it's a you know it's, it's a productive conversation and that's i think where anyone in a in a selling role in particular wants to be right 100 percent. uh that is totally the case so man this is this is there i'm almost running out of paper this is fantastic my next question really is like who are you who are you at yeah you, you running companies and marketing and all these things can you take me back in time little natalie days did you know you're going to be you know, running things and starting up things and advising people on strategy and all these plans and execution? Uh, so I certainly did not. And I think <laughs> one thing I always think about uh, is that I was painfully shy as a child. Really? Yeah. To the point where if my parents were telling a story about me to friends and I was in the room, I would have to leave the room. Uh, but, you know, overall, I would say, you know, had a had a great childhood. My parents were... Uh, both professors of dentistry and of psychology. So that love of learning and curiosity was something that was instilled in me from the start. Um, my mother always said that uh, she knew I would go into business. Um, somehow she conveniently failed to mention that to me. So I did have a number of different careers in mind before landing on where I was and actually went through my whole undergrad without really knowing what marketing was. Oh, wow. Well, what'd you do for your undergrad? Uh, I was a communications major. Okay. Which makes it all the more ironic not to right. uh, have had any exposure to marketing. Uh, I think at that time, you know, communications and PR and all of that was. Yeah. I did the, com too. And you're right. You? Mostly like a little graphic design, some video, and then how to write a press release, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was PR, TV, film, but completely separate from marketing is in the business school. And, yeah. Uh, the two things that. were just kept totally separate. So you did come and 
it seems like a good place to start, right? And what what kind of got you into marketing? So I got into marketing by chance. Uh, I was recently graduated, trying to figure out, like many people, what was I going to do with my communications degree? Yeah. Uh, my mother ended up sitting next to someone at a wedding who ran a, a two-person marketing consultancy. He was mm. looking for some additional hands on deck. Um, I'd always been very much into the content side of things. So I thought about studying journalism and kind of started down that path in my undergrad. Um, so when he heard that I could write, he said, you know, please, please tell your daughter to call me. I didn't. <laughs> right. Um, it took, it took a couple rounds. Finally I did. And that was actually my first exposure to freelance work because I started off in a, in a freelance capacity. Um, and this is sort of the early days of digital of, uh, you know, I'm going to date myself here, right? But like the very first webinars, the email campaigns were new, all of that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, found that I loved it and that marketing really combined the, you know, the analytical thinking with the creative thinking and uh, just that the natural business drive, which I think I always had because I'd even started some ventures uh, much earlier in my life, um, but didn't really have the foresight on how to connect those pieces. Right. Just, but th what a cool opportunity to just try something out um, and then find out, Hey, actually, I, I like this, this, this works. And, and the content piece being such a key part of that. I think if, if anything, the com probably helped you with just even thinking about writing and presenting and a little bit of practice there so that you can be fresh uh, out the door when it's time to do some marketing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Did any part of marketing really stand out to you as your favorite as you experienced all the different facets of it? You know, I really think it was the combination of being able to deploy a number of different skill sets together. I was doing some design, some writing, sending out campaigns, and then looking at the metrics. So it was really kind of that integrated approach that, that I think resonated with me. And I would say I have the personality type to get bored easily. Yeah. And I found that with marketing, you really never have an excuse to get bored because there's always, you're always kind of firing at multiple different cylinders. There's always more to learn. There's more to do. Um, so it very much uh, kind of aligned with just how I, how I think and how I like to operate. Totally makes sense. So cool. And then, I mean, but, but then how, how does a company come about? How do you eventually make this shift from doing it to eventually growing this thing? Yeah. So I think there were a couple of things. Um, I had been in a couple of corporate marketing roles. I had been a marketing team of one at a, a startup, um, trying to do kind of everything and anything and not necessarily having the expertise or resources to do justice to what was needed. Uh, I had spent also five years at the analyst firm Forrester Research. And uh, at the end of my time there was managing the marketing team that sold into the IT sector. So had experienced uh, marketing from the internal side of things and had the small company experience, the bigger company and a marketing department experience. And like I said, I had a few ventures earlier in life. I think I always had that entrepreneurial yearning, Yeah. Uh, but I'm also very risk adverse. So it took, sure. it took kind of a big leap of faith to go from kind of working for someone else to deciding to start my own company and working for myself. But um, you know, now that I have, I don't think I could ever go back. 
you know, I found the same thing being the case of just uh, what a fun, like once you've been off to the races, it's like, ah, you know, to pull me back into corporate world without this freedom and flexibility, it's just something else. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, all the experience that I had in the internal marketing roles, that was really you know, where I saw uh, the need to do things a bit differently and kind of brought all of that experience to to start Magnitude. Gotcha. Man, I love the name too, Magnitude. Um, so uh, with that, let's talk a little bit more about, so now what you're doing actively with Magnitude, uh, kind of tell us a little bit more about it and who are your, like, your ideal customers. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, we are a, a full-service B2B tech marketing consultancy. Uh, we really pos position ourselves between a consulting firm and a lot of our strategic offerings uh, fall into that. Things like you know, messaging, positioning, marketing planning. So a lot of this kind of rapid planning and kind of diving into execution. And then uh, we have full-service capabilities on the execution side such that uh, we can serve as a company's full marketing department when they don't have marketing in-house, but oftentimes we're augmenting a small team or kind of helping to to bring a new discipline uh, to companies, uh, larger firms. And we're focused on the, the tech sector. So B2B tech is you know, the umbrella under which we operate. Uh, within that, we have a few areas of expertise and really kind of drink our own Kool-Aid. As we tell clients, you don't be all things to all people, but really figure where you want to focus. And then uh, that's where you should proactively invest in your sales and marketing efforts. And then your, your team, your offering, et cetera. Um, so for us, uh, the, the biggest industry focus was cybersecurity. Um, and we've been in that space for the last eight years or so heavily. So in the cybersecurity world, you want to get that message out, magnitude someone to talk to. Love it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great space, um, and it's, uh, lots of lots of companies in the market. So a lot of competition. So that need to really kind of be smart about those three M's: the you know who's the market, what are the messages, and then what are the right mechanisms. Um, and you know we work with other market segments as well, like you know, healthcare IT is another big one. Um, it's ones where the audience tends to be inherently skeptical of marketing. And so that need for kind of good content and being authentic um, and kind of being targeted with kind of where you're focusing uh, can make all the difference. Well, I have kind of a hypothetical question for you next uh, because see, I may or may not have a time machine in New Hampshire. It's actually in the backyard covered in a tarp. And so let's say you come visit, you get some beer, some lobster, and you get to use the time machine and it goes back in time and you get to meet yourself right after school, right after graduating um, from college. And you get to talk to yourself back then, um, that version of you. What kind of advice, what kind of recommendations, what would you tell yourself? Oh, that's a great question. I could probably sit and lecture myself all day long. Um, but I think some of the areas that, that come to mind, um, one is really trusting my gut. Um, and having that kind of confidence and kind of internal swagger that that feeling that I have that this feels right, this feels wrong, um, that there's there's validity to that. Um, and I think that's something that uh, kind of increasingly over the years, uh, even kind of still continue to to emphasize for myself. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other one, and this is more recent, is just being comfortable taking bigger risks. So like I said, 
risk adverse entrepreneur. I know that's a, an oxymoron to some, uh, but there's a balance of uh, kind of being risk adverse and then where do you need to take that leap of faith and really make right. those investments, those key hires, those initiatives to go forward? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, marketing is part of taking risks too, right? I don't know if this campaign is going to work out. Sure, it looks like it should. <laughs> it may or may not. Oh, this event, I don't know if this event's going to work out, but let's make sure we do everything we can to make sure it do our best job of it. And then if anything, just measure and find out and adjust and learn from ourselves. Right, right, definitely. And I don't think there's an, quite enough of that in a lot of uh, a lot of cultures of being able to kind of take your your best yes, your hypothesis that kind of informed planning, um, but be okay with the fact that sometimes it won't work, uh, as well as that sometimes it'll take time to get something to work. And I think that lack of patience uh, to let kind of see a campaign or a tactic through um, can also be kind of a a downfall because you run the risk of, you know, launching a campaign and it doesn't work right away. And, you know, so, someone says, you know, that's it. This, this tactic doesn't work for us. Um, when ultimately it could have been the execution, it could have been still needed more optimization, it could have been the person that was implementing it. Yeah. Didn't, didn't know all the nuances and marketing is so, uh, you know, so nuanced these days and there's so many different skill sets that need to come together. It's much more complex than it's ever been. It really continues to get more complex while at the same time, those core things you've talked, the, the M's you've talked about, really, we can ground ourselves in the plan and ground ourselves in the strategy. That way we're not being whiplashed all around, you know, by every new tactic out there. Right, right. Man, so good. What are you doing for fun these days? If you ever have time when you're not marketing and running a business and all that. Uh, well, so especially now, uh, springtime in the Boston area, uh, loving the time outdoors. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm a runner and a new, newfound gardener. So uh, definitely enjoying the warmer weather runs. They, they, they do beat the, uh, the cold, dark winter ones. Oh my gosh, your lungs aren't on fire. You yeah. Know? the dry cold cold air yep yep exactly um, and then gardening i had a brown thumb up until the pandemic it became a new a new hobby and it's uh really enjoy it it's, what are you growing i'm growing tomatoes peppers uh, a lot of hot peppers uh, big big uh, spicy fan really a whole host of different herbs basil and three different kinds of basil and dill and all kinds of stuff there's three different kinds of basil. There's tons of kinds, different kinds of basil. I don't know how many, but I this didn't know year, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lemon basil, vanilla basil, purple basil are the three that I have growing right now, and those don't include kind of the standard ones that you think of, like that you would put on a pizza or in a caprese salad. No kidding. I like. I feel like that's earth shattering. There's different kinds of basil. As the as my basil plants grow, I'll have to ship over some basil your way. Yeah, totally. I'm a big fan. I just didn't realize there's that many different kinds. Interesting. And I wonder if you like crossbred them off. You'd like lose track of them. You get all different. I'm looking at it now on like Amazon. There's like a million different kinds of seeds. Yep. For that. Wow. Yeah. And I think there's something, you know, very rewarding about uh, gardening it's you put in the effort you get you get something out on the other side it's 
in some ways, that's kind of the feeling you get in marketing, right? You put in the effort up front and then you start to see the, uh, the output and, you know, you've created something that didn't exist before. Uh, I love that metaphor. That, that makes total sense. Gardening like marketing. Maybe that's your future book right there. I know, I know. We just went through a company rebranding. I'm wondering if I uh, could have incorporated my, my love for gardening. Yeah, and you have like a like a spade or something, you know. You're just finding the leads, you know, or yep. like you're planting the leads and it grows into the revenue trees. Yep, you know? yep. I actually think my company's first website, we had one of those, you know, the, the growth. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, visuals of like a, a little plant and it keeps growing. Yeah, it, I mean, I mean, the metaphor really just ties in. That is really what the case is. Oh, man. So good. Well, where can people, if they want to reach out, they want to contact you even professionally, or they want to talk to Magnitude and get some some conversation. They're in that cybersecurity world, maybe, and they want to reach out and get some help from you guys. Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, pretty active on LinkedIn. Okay. So Natalie Nathanson, I think there's only me and one other Natalie Nathanson, and she's a lawyer. So I'm, uh, I'm the one that's the marketer. Gotcha. And then, uh, you know, email Natalie at magnitudeconsulting.com. Perfect. And people can just email you and they should say, Hey, I heard you on the podcast so that you have an understanding of how they met you. And especially if you're going to send a LinkedIn invite, don't just randomly LinkedIn stalk someone. You get a lot of spam these days. So exactly. you got to put a message in there and say, I saw you X, Y, and Z or whatnot. And that way they accept your invite. Yeah, yeah. Far too much spam on LinkedIn these days, unfortunately. Oh my gosh, so much. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I know. I, I, you know what I do? I tend to respond to spam on LinkedIn with a pitch. I, I try to sell them a podcast. Sell them right they, back? Yeah, they're like, hey, do you want a blah, blah, blah consulting? And I'm like, oh, do, do you have a podcast? Has it, has it ever worked? Has it ever uh, it feels great. <laughs> yep, I believe I, I don't, it. No one's bought one from that method, but I definitely haven't had people engage with me. Uh, which is, I just feel it's kind of fun too, because I've taken them off topic, you know, they're supposed yep. to, um, yeah, yeah. I, no, I've, I've done that a bit too. Uh, we'll get kind of sales emails from let's say a cybersecurity company that we downloaded one of their content pieces. And then, you know, we have to say that, you know, we're not in your target market, but we do serve, we serve your yeah. target market. Or something like, you know, this email sucks. <laughs> Maybe you need some help with your marketing. Uh, this thing is going to convert anywhere. Like, come on, let's help. Let's help you out. Right. Maybe not like that, but you know, yeah, just yeah. add marketing and then you're like, Hey, well, and I love that you do that because you never know where the conversation will lead. True. Right? There's serendipity is uh, always at play. And if nothing else, it probably stops them from sending you email after email. <laughs> They're like, Oh, this guy's pitching me. Oh, I wonder why. Yeah, it's going to um, put me to work. <laughs> yeah, but technically what I'm thinking in my head is, wow, you're doing LinkedIn spam. You need help with your marketing. You probably do need a podcast, you know? Right, right. Something Crazy. more targeted, giving people quality content. Yeah, yeah. Instead of spamming people, please stop. It's crazy. Well, hey, this has been so good. Thank you for coming on here and schooling me and sharing just how you feel about things. And man, I've just got so much in here with the steps, the taking a step back, the planning, informed execution, the three, now four M's. So much stuff here. Thank you so much for sharing it all. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a fun conversation. It has. It's been, it has been fun, like more fun than you can possibly imagine on a Thursday. And I know we're going to do some EO stuff later. So the fun will continue. 
Um, but for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes front and back over here, then share this with someone else. Be a thought leader. That is exactly the definition of thought leadership, is finding some great content like this conversation, like what Natalie was saying, and share this. Get this to another marketer. Get this to someone else um, so that they can practice the three slash four M's and they can really think about informed execution. So we're not just marching in the wrong direction. Man, so good. Natalie, thank you again. Thank you. Thank All right, everybody. This has been another awesome episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 